Here we are, episode 10. How about that, Eric? 10 weeks of goodness that we've had. Um, I think we're adding new wrinkles each week, starting to include other schools and do different things, um, wear different things. Uh, you got a good something on today. What, yeah. what is that? Yeah, this is the uh, Hope College. Hope College. In uh, Holland, Michigan. Holland, and Michigan. They are the Flying Dutchman. Woo! That's good. Flying Dutchman. One of my favorite shirts. And I wore this specifically because yeah, start of a new year and you always hope for a good year, right? I like that. Hope springs eternal. That's right. Absolutely. And then what do you got on today? Well, I got a USC authentic game jersey. I got a Christmas gift. I'll give a shout out to Todd Hewitt, who does the real jerseys at USC. I work with that guy. He's a good guy. Um, but yeah, so I got this. And I think I plan on wearing this just about every day at work because it just, it kind of reminds me of winning is what for it is. Sure. You know, right? You think USC and you think winning. Yeah, absolutely. Except for their bowl games. Except for their bowl game yeah. this year. Yeah. So how's the, how are your bowl, bowl predictions going? Uh, you know, it's probably 80 or 90%. I'm estimating. 80 or uh, 90% wrong or 80 or 90% right? <laughs> right. Okay. I feel like I've pretty much got just about everyone. I, I picked that Oregon would lose, and they did win. They, they did, did win. win. Yeah. So I blame the student athletes of Wisconsin for my my. Uh, misjudgment theory. Otherwise, I think I've pretty much been pretty close. How are you? I, I, I'm actually doing a lot better than you are. Uh, we'll have a final tally next week okay. after all the bowl games are done. There's three more games going on. Yeah. Uh, but we'll have a final tally next week for uh, to see who won between you and I. I I'm doing well. You're not doing as well. As well? Well, it's not my fault. So we'll talk about the last three bowl games to, and at the end of the episode today. Yeah. And get our predictions in. And then college basketball is in full swing. Yeah, college basketball's going. Uh, USC, I'll give a little shout-out to them. It's my team, but they're 12-2. and two. They've won uh, their first conference road game. Uh, the Ducks actually lost. The fourth-ranked Ducks to lost. Colorado. Yeah, to Colorado. And so you never know. You know what I mean? You never know how it's going to go. But uh, so far, college basketball's underway, and there's been a little bit of madness already. I love it. Well, so we've had kind of an interesting development over the last week or so. Uh, there was a huge game, Ohio State Clemson, and you know I think if I remember right, you picked Ohio State. I picked Clemson. Yeah, I can't remember who won that game though. Do you remember? I think Clemson won. That's right. That's what I picked. That's uh, true. That's true. But again, you know, there were there was a controversial call in that game, and so I when I predict, I predict as if the refs are going to do their job. Okay. And the student athletes. So had that happened, my predictions would all be right. So you're blaming the refs for that? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. But uh, uh, so at, prior to the game, uh, there was there was a tweet that went out uh, that caused a little bit of controversy. Yeah, uh, and and people got kind of all up in arms about this tweet because the tweet indicated that LeBron James, you know, Akron uh, Akron uh, native, a huge Ohio State fan, very vocal about his fandom. Mm -hmm. There was a tweet that went out that LeBron James gave out Beats by Dre headphones. To all of the players at the or for the Ohio State uh, Buckeyes, yeah, and I texted you right away. I said, yeah. "How can they do this?" Yeah, and here's what we know about what actually happened. Yeah, so this is true. Ohio State before uh, they got um, uh, before they played, uh, LeBron James gave these headphones to each player worth about five hundred and fifty bucks a piece. A piece um, wireless and. Yeah, wireless. These are the nicest headphones on the market. They're not just some junk. They're, They're not just junk. These are, these are nice. And he okay. said, he even gave a note to all the players. He said, best of luck, man. You guys are here for a, for a reason. So just enjoy the moment and make the most of it. Don't settle for anything less than greatness. O-H, 
Go Bucks. Okay. Oh, H. What does that mean? It's, well, it's Ohio. It's the start of the start of this. Uh, okay. So now the question is, how did he, LeBron James, not a not a you know not a uh, not an alum of Ohio State, uh, not a uh, probably would be considered a booster or so to speak. How does this guy get away with giving these headphones away to these college athletes? Well, there's an exception in the manual for NBA players. NBA players can give whatever they want. I'm just kidding. So here, here's the so here's the deal. So LeBron James didn't give anything to the student athletes. There's a little carve out. He gifted these to Ohio State. So Ohio, he so anybody can give something to Ohio State. Okay. And so great. So the athletic department gets an item. They get a bunch of beats. Right here you go. Here are beats. Um, do with them as you see fit. Here's 110 uh, $500 beats. And so then the university can turn around and, and give those to their student athletes under a couple of different buckets, probably a participation award, uh, a bowl gift, a bowl award, uh, senior award. Um, you know, I don't know how you would call it items required for competition or practice, but I, you know, it's, you can buy student athletes suits to do to travel in travel gear. And so there's a lot of different buckets that they, this was able to fall in, and Ohio State was able to turn around and give it legally to the student athletes. Um, so LeBron, the, the the celebrity, let's just say blank. Let's let's try to apply this to any yeah any college yeah because a lot of colleges have connections with celebrities. Mm-hmm. So if a celebrity, why you does? Oh yeah, absolutely. Steve, you uh, right, right. <laughs> Steve Steve Young, Spencer oh. Kelly, huge, huge names. Absolutely. So so if uh, so if if I wanted to give the BYU football program, yeah. some gifts or something. Sure. Uh, then I would just give it to the school, right? Is that kind of how it would work? Yeah, give it to the school, but then the school then has to turn around and put it into a proper bucket. So it's not like a bunch of boosters could just line up or whoever on the streets are giving stuff to the university, say, hey, hook up all our athletes. They can give it to the university, but then the university can't turn around and give it to the student athletes unless it falls into an appropriate bucket, a participation award that has certain values. Um, you know, it's all in the manual. It's right there. There's a printout in the insane manual. I don't have it in front of me, but it's got all these different buckets with specific dollar amounts that they can get participation awards, senior award, championship award, um, you know, sometimes items that are required for participation in the sport. And so as long as the university can justify that and, and fit it into one of the proper buckets and it meets the uh, threshold of amount of money, the, the, the value of that item, then the university can turn around and, and give it. And then at that point, it's just the university. Um, so different than the athletic department, just purchasing something like when, when we got Rose Bowl rings from USC, uh, you know, that was a participation or a championship award or an award the university purchased those, those items and then gave those items to, uh, the student athletes. Okay. It's kind of the same idea really, but it, it's a cool way to do it because somebody like a LeBron James or get a lot of cachet, a lot of buzz. That's why that was so cool. But it would just, if it had just been beats, that's cool. You know, like, you know, but some universities, oh, we've got beats as our bowl award, you know, our bowl gift or championship award or whatever bucket they want to call it um, or multiple buckets. But the whole thing is Ohio State did it creatively because they were able to get a lot of buzz out of what they got. So it's a little more special, I think, to their student athletes. Like, yeah, LeBron James gave me this. But in reality, it didn't actually go down that way. But he was the one donating them. And then right. it created a big buzz. And then that's perfectly legal to happen. But here, one thing you picked up on is as soon as you saw that, there was questions about the legality of that, right? And you saw it too, and then it's on Twitter. How are they doing this? Is this cheating? What's going on? 
That's how things would happen a lot in compliance where something would come out and I would hear or somebody would hear, hey, how is this happening? How are you guys doing this? That's why you have to have your ducks in a row, have everything documented, know, know what everybody's doing because when it, by the time it hits that point, you better know, you better have a good answer for it. Because if Ohio State hadn't worked that out, let's say they didn't have all of their ducks in a row and LeBron had just gotten confused and thought, oh, I can just give these directly. That would, have just been a, that would have been either a booster or somebody on the outside just giving extra benefits. Right. And it could have caused a huge problem. And if you'd done it on the front end, they would all be ineligible for the bowl game. And so, uh, but that's kind of how it works. It's a unique little wrinkle. But, I mean, if you think about it, if you break it all down, it's no different than a university just issuing some some gifts, and in in whether it's apparel or gifts or different things, under different buckets to student-athletes. But the, the, the lesson of the, the moral of the story here is, if a celebrity wants to give something, don't have the celebrity give it directly to the kid. Absolutely not. Have it give it to the kid. Have, have he or she give it to the university. Yeah. University then gives it to the kids yeah, under one of those buckets. Yeah. Give it to the athletic department. The athletic department will decide which bucket is appropriate uh, to give it. Make sure it meets the threshold of the cost of the item. Because it's not like he could go and say, I'm buying a Honda Civic for everybody on the team. And the team goes, oh, okay, great. Well, participation award, Honda Civics. It's not going to meet the, the budget, you know, about 500, 550, 450. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they, they vary in that range. Um, and so it's enough to get some beats, to get a, a ring, a bull ring or something to that effect, um, a couch or a chair or, you know, I got something kind of cool from the Rose Bowl. I got kind of this um, decanter. I don't drink a, a hard alcohol at all, but there's a decanter that's supposed to hold. It's on my mantle at home, but it's, it's made by Tiffany. And it's re designed really, really nice, really sharp lines and that sort of thing. That was one of the wow. things given. So there's cool things like that. I also have an Alexa uh, from the Cotton Bowl, which oh, is cool. So that's awesome. little different ideas of things that are out there. Yeah, in addition, the Buckeyes got you know PlayStation 4 gift package, a Boston watch, yeah. an OGO shuttle backpack, a, a, a book, an ice shaker, insulated bottle, yeah. uh, among other things, including this, these Beats by Dre. Yeah, because you can get championship awards, you can, you can get participation awards, senior awards, bowl awards. There's all these different buckets. So the kids make out pretty well. You know, they get their housing, their food, their travel, their gear, some swag, participate in the event. You want to make a bowl game, you want to play in a bowl game, but you have to be eligible to participate in that bowl game to get any of these items. That happens a lot if there's one or two kids that didn't pass enough credits, the six or, or whatever they're enrolled in. You know, football also has a, a nine-unit rule in the fall. There's a lot of nuances to it. But bottom line is you've got to be eligible to get those fall awards. All yes. right. But that's what happened here. So Ohio State was clean and legal. And like I've said, they have one of the best compliance offices in the country. Absolutely. Well, hey, what does that mean, Eric? I think that's a go to the phones. Go to the phones. That's right. So today... We have an awesome opportunity to be able to interview the director of compliance uh, at Utah State University named Jake Garlock. Yeah. Utah State University Aggies. The Aggies, right? that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm learning. And this is going to be great. And, and uh, this this segment is brought to you by Welch, brought to you, the viewers, and you, the listeners, by Welch, Brennan Green, a law firm. We're a uh, law firm specializing in, in four areas of law, uh, workers' compensation, personal injury, social security disability, and and collegiate sports law. Um, I think that we can handle basically anything a compliance office could handle. Um, we can work out a flat rate or an hourly rate, um, figure out what your scope of needs are, whether it's for an administration, for a compliance office, for a student athlete, for a parent, for a high school kid. There's lots of different services we can offer. Uh, feel free to contact us and we can see if we can help you out. Yeah, you can either call us at 503-221-0870 
email us at uh, college sports attorneys at gmail.com or my email s kelly at wbgatty.com yeah or a price at wbgatty.com and once again that phone number is 503-221-0870 yeah just ask for aaron or spencer those are us two we're the only ones in the office that handle it and again these are consulting services that we could uh, sort of carve out and figure out how we could help you yeah look forward to helping you out yeah All right. Well, uh, here we are. We're, we're back to the phones now, and we've got uh, Jake Garlock on the phone here. Jake is uh, works at the University of Utah State University. The who are the Aggies? Aggies. Okay, you knew that one right away. Absolutely. Who doesn't know? The, I mean, that Utah State is is big time, man. Let's be they, they have a good football program, good athletics program. Yeah, great basketball program. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, Jake, uh, you know, Aaron and I, as we uh, we're we're wanting to start interview interviewing some of uh, some people that are actually in the compliance world and um, thank you so much for being available and, uh, and and making yourself available to to talk with us today hey you bet i'm glad to be with you and get to know you guys and have a chance to talk about the aggies about sports law and that sort of thing awesome so i guess our first question uh you know we get a lot of questions from uh from listeners who are interested in getting into the compliance world so what, uh, what drew you to the compliance world, and how did you get started uh, in the compliance world? You know, it's, it's kind of a long story, but maybe I'll give you the medium story. Uh, I graduated law school, and my, I, I didn't even know NCAA compliance existed at the time. Uh, and so my first job was family law in, in Utah. Uh, I, I did divorce and, and a bunch of family law cases and criminal defense. And... My first job did not go as I thought it would, and and so I was looking for work, and I started just perusing everything and applying for everything, and I came across the posting at the University of Utah where they they were looking for an NCAA compliance officer who had a uh, doctorate, and I was like, I can work in, in athletics, <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, once I figured that out, I started networking with people all over the area, and just, I started asking for internships and just trying to figure things out. And let me just preface this by saying my path is not typical, especially nowadays. Um, but I, I ended up at Utah State uh, talking to the athletic director back then, who's Randy Spencer. He's, he's the godfather of my career. <laughs> and uh, and he, he offered me a job with no experience. So that was 13 years ago. Wow, that's so cool. And, yeah, and, and so I, I just got lucky. It was it was an entry-level type job back then, which nowadays, you know, someone in the same position needs to have five to seven years experience. Um, but it worked out for Utah State, and it worked out for me. And so I've, I have to teach myself NCAA rules, teach myself how to talk to coaches, how to, you know, what kind of processes we need to have. And I, I basically built our compliance program at Utah State from the ground up. And so I'm still here. I've survived. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's, that's, you know, it's funny that you mentioned kind of how to get in, you know, because I kind of did the whole thing where finished law school, wanted to work in sports somewhere, didn't know anything about athletic compliance really either. And I connected with this guy named Bob DeCarolis, who was the athletic director of Oregon State. He's bounced around. I think he's at Michigan now a more of an advisory role, but got the thing where I basically had to volunteer uh, for about nine months to a year 
uh, just sort of self-teaching on the job before I actually got paid. And, and then I had an entry-level coordinator position with almost a year and a half experience. And I had about three years experience before I became an assistant director at USC. And so it's funny because it, it, I think nowadays you hit it right on the head. I mean, it takes a lot of experience to be trusted, even in the lower roles, so to speak, in compliance. And so it's tough for people that maybe want to do like a career transition. Maybe they don't like being a lawyer and they think, you know, I've done this for three or four years. I'm going to switch. It's going to be really hard because they're probably going to have to volunteer or intern. And that's hard to do kind of mid-career, you know. Yeah, I've, I've had lots of attorneys who approached me when we had job openings. And I feel terrible, but I, I have to say, if you don't have any experience, you have to figure out a way to get experience in order to be a, a better candidate than these people who do have experience. Yeah. So what's your uh, title there at Utah State right now? I'm the Senior Associate Athletic Director for Compliance and Academics. Okay. Do you have any sport oversight? Yeah, I oversee our men's and women's tennis program, and I also oversee our equipment room. Oh, interesting. I did equipment at USC, and we put a lot of different policies in place. We used to have... Uh, you know, I won't say anything too bad about it, but it, but it wasn't as organized as it could have been. I'll put it that way. And, and uh, you know, kind of cleaned it up a little bit with different policies and procedures. I always liked equipment. That's uh, kind of one of my favorite areas. That's some really good people there. And and, uh, and it's so critical to uh, what's going on, you know. And then recruits touch it. Current student athletes touch it. It's, it's kind of a hot button issue a little bit, you know. Yeah, sport oversight is, I mean, we're already busy enough in compliance and to take more on, you know, Providing a coach or a program is a lot, but it, I think it's worth it in order to be able to see the big picture and just be more involved uh, with some student-athletes and what's going on you know, on the court or on the field. How big is your office, and how is your office structured? We have two compliance people at Utah State, and I would say that's on the smaller end for, for most schools in our conference and nationally, but we just kind of made it work. guys like prioritize you know obviously you're dealing with major major sports and in, in, 
in football and men's and women's basketball. I mean, Utah State has a heck of a basketball program, always has. How do you guys prioritize those programs over, you know, your men's and, men's and women's tennis teams, for example? Or, or is, that, is that kind of hard for you guys to do? Or are you able to handle that? Yeah, it's, it's a balance. I've always said I want to be an equal opportunity compliance person for all the sports. You know, I don't want to favor one sport over the other or one student athlete over the other. Um, that being said, you know, certain sports don't have agents driving right. out at hotels, <laughs> hotel lobbies, and, and certain sports, you know, don't have businesses trying to capitalize off of the name, image, and likeness of student athletes. And so there's there's more issues with a footballer and a basketball student athlete that we have to stay on top of. And so we do prioritize things that way. I think as far as, you know, allocating our time, the time best spent in compliance is in education. I 100% agree. So yeah. as we meet with every unit in the department or every coaching staff, uh, or, you know, and it's not just those formal meetings, it's also whenever somebody comes and asks a question, and, you know, asking the additional questions and educating as we're talking about the issues and just constantly educating and constantly keeping the door open and not shutting people down sometimes you hear about oh they asked me that question i can't believe they didn't know that no, we never said that here you know it's always about oh i'm so glad you asked that question thank you for coming to us uh, i don't want coaches to feel like they need to look up the, the books themselves i mean they can uh, but we want to be that resource that they don't have to open the book they can just ask us and trust us that we're going to get the answer right and we're going to point them in the right direction uh and give them the best chance to do as much as they possibly can to achieve whatever goal they're trying to uh, achieve. That's some great advice, especially for those compliance officers listening out there. I mean, we walked around Oregon State a couple of weeks ago, and, and the compliance officer was getting questions from coaches, just like sounds like for, they just walk into your office and just ask any question. You've got to be on all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's the part of the job that I enjoy the most is, is being that Yeah. What, what do you view as your uh, office's kind of role within the larger athletic department? I mean, as far uh, as far as like your philosophy, like for example, at USC, uh, you know, we, we were coming out of some pretty heavy sanctions. And so our role uh, basically was taken outside of athletics and then went under the president and we were external. And our role, I would say, was a little bit more draconian and sort of a... Um, we're in charge of the policies, so, so to speak, and, and we're going to basically uh, let you know how it's going to happen. And then when I was at Oregon State, it was a little bit different. It was we were within athletics, and there's a little uh, I'm going to you know kind of um, be your advisor and get down in the weeds with you on day to day issues and help you out. There's just a different kind of philosophy. I didn't know if that question makes sense or if you kind of thought about that. Yeah, I think I see what you're saying. We're a little closer to the Oregon State model. Um, we take a really collaborative approach. That's really great.
right? Do you guys use any sort of software to help you do your compliance stuff, like jump forward, that sort of thing? Yeah, we use ARMS. ARMS, uh, which yeah. When we first got it, you know, five or six years ago, we were pretty early adopters on that one, but we've been pretty pleased with it. I mean, those, those softwares are a necessary evil for a lot of coaches. <laughs> they don't yeah. love having to input all the data and, and that sort of thing, but our goal was to try and find the software that would Yeah, yeah. When I was at Oregon State, we didn't have a software program. Uh, they were just in the kind of the cusp of it was like 2010, 2009, or just sort of starting a little bit, but not everybody had it. And then USC used Jump Forward, and and uh, yeah, I, I, I heard complaints all the time. Uh, they loved parts of it, but parts of it was really a, a pain. And there's a lot of education that went into it. It was a it was a necessary evil, though we needed it, you know, for sure. But but it was. Uh, Kind of an interesting perspective, and you know, I I, I don't I think most schools now use some sort of software. I could be wrong on that. Maybe there's some smaller ones, but I think it's essential, especially if you have football, uh, to just have all that data there and just being able to document approval through workflow processes. Yeah, uh, is is also essential because you can see exactly when something was submitted and when it was approved or not approved or when it was sent back, and so. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, one other thing I had for you is, is when I was at Oregon State, a unique special issue for the school was sort of local boosters, local restaurants, local businesses, that sort of thing, employing maybe student athletes. That, that kind of small market can get you in trouble in some of those areas. At USC, the challenges were just different. There was uh, agents that lived in you know Century City or Beverly Hills right down the road, and they were around campus all the time. And and we had just different higher profile, you know, uh, athletes that so we dealt with some other higher profile issues. Uh, didn't know if there was something unique for Utah State that you kind of have flagged as like this is sort of a unique challenge for us. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we have a great community here uh, that's very supportive of athletics. We haven't, just in the last few years, we've stopped running to, into as many issues with people using name, image, likeness of student athletes. I send out very few pieces of this letters nowadays. <laughs> I think it's because our our uh, our third party sponsorship, uh, Aggie Sports Properties, through Deerfield, I think they do a really good job educating people yeah. on what the rules are and if they see something they let us know and we can handle it. But uh, what are some of the things you know it, it's more with student athletes challenge with this day and age of students is helping them appreciate the importance of the rules right to where they're paying attention when things happen in their lives that intersect with NCAA rules <laughs> yeah and I'm sure you encounter that Aaron at USC State where it's like oh yeah that's a good point that I probably shouldn't have done that oh man we, yeah we, we talk about the rules that we're blue in the face, you know, every fall and then before school's out in the spring and, and, and still it doesn't sink in sometimes, but we're always trying to be creative to figure out new ways to, 
them understand. So that's that's a challenge that we've tried to work on at Utah State. You know, we don't have a ton of student athletes making themselves ineligible because they break a rule. And it's actually pretty rare, but and that's something that maybe compliance people lose a little bit sleep at night about. Well, one thing I've noticed, especially with Utah State and a lot of the schools, kind of, I know BYU uses this a lot too, is there's the transfer portal, which is brand new, uh, relatively new over the last couple of years. Um, is there, how does Utah State kind of use the transfer portal and the compliance issues, you know, related to that, uh, that new, new world of transferring? Yeah, that, I mean, coaches go on the portal in each program daily. I'm pretty sure most coaches, most most programs go on that and look daily. And so we've approached the portal with policy and with communication. Uh, I think it's important that student athletes understand what they're getting themselves into if they go on the portal. You know, is, does your institution remove someone from the team if they put their name on the portal? Or does, does that program, what are the consequences of doing that? Do they lose their scholarship? Scholarship, and, and I've seen some instances where student athletes have requested to go on the portal, and then you know, because it's this glorious thing, like I'm going on the portal, you know, like here we go, uh, let's, you know, buckle up, get ready for the ride. But when they get there, they they sometimes have remorse because they didn't consider that you know their scholarship was going to get canceled, uh, or that it was seen as uh, disloyal to their team. And so, uh, you know, sending those emails saying, I, I want to make sure you understand everything here and what your eligibility consequences are. And we have a form where they initial next to several different points saying, I understand this is the case and this is the case. And hopefully that gets the communication across so they can make informed decisions that are in their best yeah, that sounds good. For maybe the listeners that don't know exactly what the transfer portal maybe mechanics are, of like how it works. I mean, is it is it something that the student athlete logs on themselves, or do they contact compliance, or how do they get put into the transfer portal? Sure, the transfer portal is something that only coaches and athletics administrators have access to by logging into the NCAA website. Student athletes typically can't see who else is on the portal unless they go to an administrator and, and look on with them. Uh, let's see, what else there? I can't remember the other part of your question. I was just kind of curious, maybe how a student athlete, you know, gets on. I mean, what would they would they contact you and say, you know, hey, I'm looking to transfer. I'd like to get on the transfer portal. Or do you, you know, is is that basically that? And then you would log on and maybe add their name. Is that? They're just kind of trying to add, you know. So they come and they'll meet with us in compliance, and I think that's typical of most institutions where you initiate the process to get your name on the portal with the compliance office, and we'll have them fill out a form. If they're not in the local area anymore, we'll allow them to fill out the form uh, online or by email, and submit it by email, and then once we have that form that's been signed by the student-athletes, then it takes five seconds to log in and just enter their information on the portal. The portal houses a lot more information than just their name or their sport. It's got, are, you know, how many years of eligibility they've used. Uh, you know, are they academically eligible? Do they have any things on their record? You know, there's some things that are confidential that we're careful not to put on there sometimes, and that can be a little bit dicey, but 
and then and then at that point, other institutions can contact that student athlete. Correct. Once the name's there, uh, you know, fair game. Recruitment is open. Wow. Okay. So they're treated just like they're just um, maybe an unsigned senior or something to that effect. Uh, it's usually so only those who have initiated student athlete status, so someone who's been enrolled full time at a collegiate institution, can get on the portal. Gotcha. And um, what else was with that? Uh, institutions have forty-eight hours or two business days uh, to put someone on the portal once they've made the request. Oh, interesting! Okay. Wow, that's a, that's interesting. Okay. So you can't really drag your feet because I'm sure there's times where somebody goes on the portal and the coach does no way wants that kid on the portal. Um, so maybe there would be a little motivation to drag the feet a little bit, but it sounds like they're, exactly. they force you to kind of get that kid on there. All right. Yeah, you got you got to move quickly. And if somebody, if a coach doesn't want someone on the portal, they're caught off guard by the request. I mean, the first phone call I make whenever a request comes in is to the head coach saying, hey, did you know this is happening? They just made a request, and I mean, the, the coach can't really do anything to stop it other than trying to convince them to stay if, if that's, you know, a path they want to go down, but uh, it is interesting sometimes in that 48-hour period. Yeah. Have you seen, seen any kind of uptick in abuses of um, maybe improper contact by other schools trying to convince a kid to get into the portal? Anything like that? Yeah. The NCAA has tried to I don't know what the right word is, intensify the penalty or uh, just make it a bigger deal if tampering takes place. Yeah. Uh, but tampering is so difficult to prove. As you guys know, I mean, if a phone call happens, you can't really prove what was said during the phone call. And so yeah. I, I've had student-athletes that know where they're going before they request to go on the portal. It's obvious, and so it's obvious that tampering has taken place. Usually it happens through their high school coach or their club coach, uh, where it's more of an indirect communication with the, with the next institution. And, but even that is prohibited by the NCAA rules, but again, nobody can prove it, so it continues to happen. Yeah, yeah. Tricky stuff, and, and uh, what, what do you think about um, – I know we'll let you go here shortly, but what do you think of these new um, – uh, kind of being able to use name, image, or likeness. I don't know. Some people have called it pay for play. There's different terms for it, but the, some of this new stuff coming out of California and a few other states. Any any thoughts on that? I think it could go in so many different directions, and that's why we're not seeing it go in any direction right now. There's <laughs> yeah. so many moving parts to it. Uh, you know, if you look at the different types of Way, the different ways someone could use the name image likeness, whether it's an endorsement deal with a shoe company, or maybe a smaller town, a car dealership, uh, or a restaurant. Maybe it's just a student athlete starting their own business, or selling, you know, an institution selling jerseys with the name on the back. There's some, uh, or other branded items that have the brand you know, or the logo of the university. You know, there's licensing issues, and there's so many different ways there's uh the NCAA has come out and said you know some of their core values that they want to stick to is they're trying to figure this out uh they don't want name image and likeness used 
part of recruitment, you know, we'll get you this endorsement deal if you come to Utah State. They don't want that to happen. They don't want an inducement to be there. You know, our agents gonna start be being part of the process. You know, should a student athlete be allowed to hire an agent to help them get endorsement deals? Uh, you know, what happens if a student signs with Under Armour but they're attending a Nike school? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. There's, you know, is there going to be an approval process that has to go through compliance of the NCA? So, uh, I don't know. You can just there's so many moving parts that it's. I think it's going to take several months, if not years, to figure it out. And Congress is going to have to get involved because we can't have several different states saying what their standard is. I mean, the NCA is a, a separate organization. They can conduct their business as they choose, but being a national organization and the Commerce Clause and all that, they, they probably need to get it figured out so the, the, government, the government doesn't regulate this as much. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see the California law goes into effect here, I think 2021. Mm -hmm. So you got a year for the NCA to start making some action, taking some action. I know they're working on it. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, well, Jake, thank, thank you so much for your time. Uh, uh, any uh, last piece of advice, I guess, for anybody who's wanting to get into compliance uh, that you could give uh, before we let you go? <laughs> I think you got to love sports and you got to love being analytical. And if, if you can put those two together, uh, maybe you've got a few hearing compliance. I appreciate the time speaking with you guys. Hopefully we can catch up another time. Um, but thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And we, and we hope you have a, a great weekend and happy new year. Thanks, man. Thanks for your time. All right. Okay. Wow, I thought that was spectacular. Yeah, it was really good to hear from uh, a guy with a lot of experience. You heard him say 13 years of experience. He was an attorney before that, uh, Jake Garlock with Utah State. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciated his time. He gave us about 26 minutes of his time yeah. and really broke down a lot of things. And some of the stuff I didn't know. I, that's why I always like talking to other schools and going visiting other schools and the clients' offices. Everybody does Similar stuff, but a little bit differently. And, and that's really cool because he added a couple of wrinkles that maybe I hadn't thought about or different ways of looking at something. Um, so he did, it, was, it was really cool. I, I hope they gave some insight to the transfer portal especially yeah. and some of his thoughts and the wrinkles on this new, uh, you know, using people's name, image, and likeness. Um, and you can see, right, there's a lot of nuances. We talked about that with that, that large uh, iceberg and all the complexities to it. You know, so it was good. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And again, you know, thanks, thanks to Jake Arlock. Yeah. And now we've got a, in the next couple of weeks, we've got some other uh, in interviews going on. Yeah, we have some uh, big time interviews going on uh, next week, next Friday. We're going to talk to the director of compliance, head of compliance for Syracuse University, the Syracuse Orange. Orange, yeah. Um, the week after that, we're going to talk to Cal State Northridge, uh, some of, one of their uh, people that was in compliance. And now is, is within athletics oversight of some sports, very high up with uh, Cal State Northridge. Um, you know, week after that, we're going to be doing uh, Arizona State. Uh, we have uh, Oregon State is going to get in the mix. Um, you know, so we have other schools, and there are going to be other entities as well. So it's probably not always going to just be colleges, but we can involve um, 
other professionals that touch collegiate athletics and, and for some entity, um, that sort of thing. So we're really going to, we want to dive in and, and pick the brains of the people. And these are the people that are giving the interps and leading these athletic programs uh, daily. And yeah. so it's, if you're interested in compliance, if you're interested in sports law, NCAA, um, listen to the, the podcast. So we're, we're getting into the media issues, the touch on the issues that are happening today. And yeah, and we'll be covering all the, uh, you know, any new late breaking yeah. uh, compliance issues like what happened with the LeBron James and the Beats and all that. Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. So we'll be doing that every week. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Next week, I mean, if things come up, we can uh, ask that compliance director what their thoughts yeah, and things like that. So um, it's not just us, you know, here a couple of lawyers, we're, we're getting into the meat and potatoes with the, with the staff out there. Yeah. Really great. Well, so uh, we've got three more uh, bowl games to go where yeah. we got to make picks. Here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then and one of those is the championship game. Um, so uh, the first game is we've got uh, tomorrow, we've got the, let's see, what is it? It's the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Okay. okay. We've got the S Southern Mississippi, do you know their mascot? Southern Miss Bulldogs. Uh, the Golden Eagles. Golden yeah, okay. Eagles. Yeah. We were close. Yeah. Versus the Tulane. Eagles. Golden Eagles. Green Wave. Green Wave. You were way off on that one. Tulane. Yeah. So who do you got in that game? Southern Miss or Tulane? Tulane. Tulane. I feel like Tulane wins every bowl game. Okay. They're in. I don't know if they've been to a bowl game in a while. But we'll, we'll say it. So they haven't lost it. That's right. Yeah. Then the next game is Monday night, uh, January 6th. We've got the Lending Tree Bowl versus Louisiana Lafayette. This is one of my favorite mascots. One of my favorite nicknames. You know that? It's got to be like the Screaming Eagles, the Raging Cajuns. Raging the Cajuns. Yeah. Why? Why are these these kind of bowls that don't have premier opponents? No offense to those schools, but these aren't Power Five schools. They're not New Year's Six bowls, but they're after January one. What do you think the reasoning for that? Is? I think the idea is to control in between the uh, the semifinal yeah. games and the final games. They still want college football on the brain. <laughs> Still want people thinking about it. it. Makes sense. So they've got games every night. Uh, yeah. There's a game going on right now. Yeah. Uh, so okay, uh, right. So it's it's getting fan interest. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And Louisiana Lafayette, they're playing the Miami of Ohio Hurricanes. No, no, no not you, Miami. you thought you were going to get me, but I knew it wasn't. They're the Red Hawks. Red Hawks. So <laughs> not the U. Not the U. Miami yeah. of Ohio. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll talk to Miami. We'll see. That'd we'll be see cool. Happens. Yeah. Uh, so what do you got in that game? The Raging Cajuns or the Red Hawks? Who do you got there? Oh, Raging Cajuns. Okay. That, that team's legit. Okay. I think they beat oh, the Sun Belt. Didn't they beat Michigan or something one year? Uh, they beat somebody good. Yeah, I don't think I, Appalachian State beat oh, Michigan. Oh, that's who it was. I'm but also, they're also the Sun the, the Fun Belt. Is what the Fun call. Belt. The Sun Belt Fun Belt. The Sun Belt Fun Belt. Sun's out, guns out. That's right. Absolutely. And then we got the, the granddaddy of them all. Not the Rose Bowl, but the... Uh, the championship versus Clemson versus LSU, two powerhouse programs, both undefeated, both with incredible talent at every position. Yeah. Who do you got, Clemson, LSU? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one because LSU, I think, is the better team. I think that they have better athletes, they're faster, they're stronger. Uh, they should win. But Clemson's been there before, and LSU hasn't. Clemson plays good in big games because they've been there so many times. It's kind of like the Patriot effect, the Patriots, where they play these big games. They've been there so many times that they play just kind of normal and relaxed, where if it's the first time you've been to this sort of game, you're going to play a little more tense, try to maybe overcompensate. You're going to reach for the next yard, fumble the ball. So because of that, I think this is a very even game. If it was just a regular season game, like LSU wins by 14, 
17. But because of this uh, Patriots effect that Clemson's going to have, I think it's really, really even. It come, could come within 7 to 10 points. It's going to be a really good national championship game. I think LSU wins it, but it's going to be really, really close. Clemson's going to give them a tough game. What do you think? All right. I think, I, I, honestly, it's hard. I agree with you with everything you just said. I think it's going to be a close game. I do think LSU is going to pull it out in the end, mm-hmm. but it's going to be really close. Yeah. Like LSU, last second field goal, last second yeah. touchdown, something like that. Right. Or even overtime, but it's going to be close. Clemson hasn't lost, you know, for two years. I yeah, mean, 29 knows? games in a row. They're not used to losing. So even if they're down 10 or 14, they're going to feel like we're winning this game. And they're going to be used to the bright lights and the big stage. Well, you saw that against Ohio State, yeah. right? So, yeah. You know, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, I know I'll be watching uh, Monday, January 13th. Absolutely. A heck of a game. Yeah. Uh, good luck to all the players. And um, and then, yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, feel free to like, comment, and subscribe below right down there. Yeah. And um, we look forward to continuing to give you information, and we'll do these interviews over the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Bring you the knowledge. See you guys. Bye.